Perez. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome. We are a Burkamp Wonderland, an Arsenal podcast. Just about. It's been a while. Anyway, my name is Chris. I am your host, and first and foremost, a public apology. Im. Down there, down there, and him. Hang on, over the. I can't. Carl. Hold on, they, were both, they were both ill that. last hang week. On, there you go. go. These two down here, they they were both <laughs> ill last week. Um, and I mean, basically, we all know what Carl's job is, right? When Carl's not here, the whole structure falls apart. When Danny's not here, uh, nobody can be. You know, <laughs> he all trust I'm me. The he, just, he sits in the group. He whinges about how hard his life is. And, you know, rather than being awake for like two hours a day, he's awake for like an hour. So basically what I'm trying to say is it's Danny's fault. It's Carl's fault. Me and Josh, we're just here for, for vibes, you know. So all we can say is apologies, but we're here this week. Uh, sometimes life doesn't find a way, as Jeff Goldblum once said. So let's get on with it. Josh, first of all, how are you doing, sir? We're the reason we're right. late tonight is due to you. We should be should be said. So, do you want I mean, to apologise? Not to the wholly. Listeners? Uh, I will apologise to the listeners for not arriving um, to the podcast at seven forty when I said I'd be there at seven forty-five. Mm. Uh, I cannot be held responsible for the fact we started at ten to eight. Um, that's solely in your court, Chris. Um, I was also ill last week as well, but um, thanks for asking. Well, I mean. <laughs> I don't care. So uh, if you can't be here on time, then you're irrelevant, frankly. So that's just the way it is. Uh, Danny, are you, I mean, Carl and I were subjected to, I mean, I'm not even going to mention it on air because nobody needs to hear or even indeed see that again, but you're, you're back. I mean, are you, are you all right? Are you, is this the end of days? What's going on? It's, uh, yeah, it's good. I'm all right. I've still got a little bit of a, with this new version of COVID, you get it, and then it goes away, and then you spend, as Carl is finding out, and Josh probably is, that you have cold symptoms on and off for the next week or two, and apparently you can expect that for a month of going, I feel all right, next day you're sneezing and coughing, and then you're all right, and then, yeah, it's uh, everybody I know has had it, and it's only October, and like you said before the show started, Chris, it's the, uh, the world's coming to an end, because uh, if it's like this at the beginning of October, what's it going to be like in the middle of actual winter? Good yeah, but I'm you. fine, thanks. And thanks to everybody who sent me happy birthday requests and one of ABW sent me a card. The rest of them didn't even acknowledge my my existence as a fellow carbon-based life form, let alone a fucking card. And uh, yeah, people liked my, my picture of me. If anybody hasn't seen it, this is me at uh, Paper Tiger in Peterborough yesterday. That's what I did on my birthday. <laughs> me and Sean, but fuck Spurs with all the the letters in the shop. We did it, laughed and ran away. So uh, that was my birthday. Cheers. You, you know that poor old Bethel had to spend hours doing re- like putting them all back in order after you'd gone, and she cussed you every single letter she was rearranging. So if you're listening, sorry about that. We can't take him anywhere. And um, when you say 
like this new version of COVID is is that like like when a film gets remade? Is that what it's like? It's like the the twenty twenty two version of the the a remake of a of a classic. Is that is that what it? How well, it Josh works? didn't have COVID. He just said he only had a cold and he was milking it. He wasn't as sick as me and Carl. No, uh, the, <laughs> the natural progression of uh, influenzas, which is like this one, eventually they just get different versions. They get weaker and weaker because as a virus, you don't really want to kill the host because if if it killed us all, then it would die too. So it just wants to make us suffer. And so as they as they progress through different variants, they get weaker and weaker, but they still make your life miserable. Sounds mm. a lot well, like I'm not Ellis. a doctor, so ignore all that. <laughs> sounds a lot like what, Josh. I said it sounds a lot like Ellis. Oh, Ellis is a proper medical person. That's why he's not allowed on because he tells us all we're all completely wrong and to shut up and get on with it, which is a good idea, Chris. How are you, Chris? You you looking? Have you got a new light? Have you you you're, you've got an arm for your microphone, which is uh, splendid. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm like professional these days. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm 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 literally the next. Um, What's that bloke called? This What's could be a long stuff? list. <laughs> I can't remember the guy's name. Uh, Shroud. I'm the next Shroud. Yeah, I was going to say I'm, Jeffrey Dr- Dharma. I mean that too. I do like a <laughs> nibble here and there, but uh, I watched that. Podcast... I'm not watching. Did you dip into podcast funds for all your new equipment? No, I didn't. Know we don't was, have any. Oh. I was going to say, well, we, get about and, we get about 120 quid a season from YouTube and from Twitch, and it costs me 250 quid a year to pay for it all. So, if anyone's got any money they don't want in these needy times, keep it. We'll be fine. <laughs> no, 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 no. Daniel will no, sell, no, no. sell a Pokemon card. Don't, don't, don't keep oh, yeah, it. No. I'm, I'm looking at soundproofing and getting a new desk, and I need a new monitor. So, if, and if you want soundproof, money, is round your head. No, if, you, if you've got money, please, PayPal, send, just DM me. I'll give you the details. Not a problem. I'll, I will gladly take anyone's money. I'm not That's exactly what Chris needs now is an echo chamber for himself. Damn right. <laughs> anyone speaks any sense around here. Carl, how are you doing, sir? How are you feeling? I'm starting to think you forgot about me, the way you lot are ranting. Fucking hell. Never. Considering someone who wants to get this podcast in an hour, fucking hell, you lot do talk shit. <laughs> Jesus. We all had our orders before it started, didn't we, Carl? I know, and then that like, we've been on for what? How I'd love to know how long we've been on for so far, where we haven't even spoke a word. Of Seven. Football. Okay, now, but I'm fine. I am okay. I got COVID from Danny somehow through the phone. Um, yeah. I don't know. And fuck you, Danny, because I'm the only person that did say uh, happy birthday to you. Um, oh, you did. You sent me a private, and you were uh, the only one who asked me how I was doing on a regular basis. You, but yeah, but it's all about Jeff. And I bet Jeff was the only person that sent you a card, wasn't he? No, who was it then? I'm not. No, gonna name say names, isn't it? Name names. It was yeah. Ellis. You've clearly said oh, one I'm person. Gonna say Ellis. It was, was it it Ellis. Ellis. Was it Nick? No, it was no, Nicky, it was one, wasn't it? It was one of those two. I'm not telling you which. Oh. I can't divulge. It was. It was Nicky. It's the one that's got the one that's got your address. In case he he turns up in his Audi and runs me over. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, um, I'm fine. Um, Tweeting away, all good. Um, good. Ready to talk about Arsenal? Yeah. Well, let's 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 do that. Let's break the habit of of a lifetime, shall we? Um, Yeah. So we won three two at the weekend. Thank you very much. We'll see you next week. Good night. Uh, so, yeah, we, we are going to just kind of briefly rewind time uh, to laugh at Spurs again. Because, I mean, you can never really do that too much. And in, in the absence of last week's show, it would only be right. Uh, it is only going to be a brief one. So I'll just go to all my individual panellists here and just have a little natter about it. Uh, Josh, I will start with you. Um, 
well, obviously we'll come on to what the Liverpool result means, but did you feel that beating a mid-table club made us more realistic title challenges? Uh, I mean, I know what everybody's been saying. We haven't played a big club yet. So um, let me know when that comes along. And we do do we do end up playing a big club and uh, we'll see how we do against them. But yeah, uh, the Spurs game, I mean, I've had the misfortune of watching Spurs twice in a week, two weeks. Well, yeah, back-to-back weekends, I have seen Spurs play. Um, and God, I hate them every waking moment of my being. Oh. When I you mean, say you the, saw them play, that's a bit of a stretch, oh, isn't it? You yeah, saw them sorry. defend and counter-attack. <laughs> I saw them. Uh, I, I barely, barely saw them counter um, for, at the weekend. But yeah, it was the Arsenal game was just so good to just put them in their place, put everything kind of aside in terms of the noise that had been generated by that side or that part of Middlesex. Um, they're not in London. Um, just gave that kind of relief because you knew what would happen. We're riding this crest of a wave and it has always been very typical Arsenal. You're at the top of the wave and what's there to, to really upset you, it's going to be one of Spurs or Liverpool or, to be honest, Man United. They had a good go at it, you know, trying to put a chink in our armour. Um but yeah, the Spurs game was just that perfect epitome of showing how far we've come. That even you know, Harry Kane um, getting his customary penalty uh, wasn't enough to stop him this time. And Isn't half the goals in the North London derby that he scored are the 15-7 penalties? I think it's something like that and that he hasn't scored from open play in a North London derby for something ridiculous at the Emirates. It's been... I think seven years. I think that was the the quote, uh, or the sorry, the stat that I saw going around. Uh, but yeah, I think we've shown that we are a better side than them, uh, which I think we all knew anyway. But it's that wider. Everyone outside of Arsenal probably needed um, shouldn't have needed convincing, but they needed convincing on that. You know, they've got a manager that knows um, how to win a league. Should we say, but to then see him in what the 70th minute and him say this in his post-match interview that he gave up. He was like, it's not there. We're not going to do this. So he just took off his best players. Um, I'm making sure I say that he left Kane on as uh, not one of his best players. But yeah, there was that was the big thing for me um, was showing that a manager in a derby game. And um, when we talk about derbies, they're definitely... Derby can be doing a lot of heavy lifting for certain uh, certain clashes, but this is a proper derby. And for a manager to go in the 69th minute, yeah, fuck it, I can't bother it anymore. I didn't hear anything like um, you know the sense of if Arteta had said that in the 70th mm. minute, two one down, takes Saka off, takes Martinelli off, takes Partey off, and then goes, yeah, fuck it, I can't bother it anymore. We knew the game was gone. That's Spurs mentality. That's the mentality you can get away with is just phoning it in when it gets difficult. And it's, you know, to dare is to do. And to <laughs> dare to try and win a game is, you know, a bit too much for Conte. Um, and, yeah, it was 
a great result for us. And uh, obviously from our sick beds, we cheered along. Mm. Yes, we certainly did. And uh, I'm guessing, Carl, you you were unable to be there because of the illness as well. But um, that that atmosphere, which we might touch on in a minute as well, it was just kind of like the perfect day, though, wasn't it? I mean, everything went the way you, you could have hoped, barring them scoring a goal. But just everything about that game, it, it just felt great, sort of applauding them out of the stadium um, you know they're they're giving it all all beans, and by the end of the game there wasn't there wasn't any of them left in the stadium, which I found hilarious. But it it is it was a statement win, wasn't it? I say we'll come on to this week this weekend's game as well. But it did make everyone sit up and and listen to the fact that we're not you know we're not the old Arsenal anymore. This is this is the new version of us, and this is the this is the version of us that we have hoped we were going to see, and arguably the version of us that is going to surpass that disappointment of what happened at Spurs last year I felt like that people were waiting for us to fail like during this game I think that I think some of the commentators are probably awaiting us to lose this game so they could say well you know they've come up against Man United and come up against Spurs and they failed both of those tests so and I think the fact that we beat them and beat them quite convincingly as well like the red card for me didn't really change anything because we were on top during that game anyway and the fact that We've beaten them, I will come into Liverpool later. But, um, you know, made people think, oh, okay, you know, because for all intents and purposes, Spurs were really bad. Like, I understand that they don't play very exciting football. I don't watch them very often, but from what I read and see, they don't play exciting football. But we were dominant in that game. And I think the fact that, you know, if you beat someone 1 0, 2 1, like it's a very close score, people may say, oh, you were lucky, blah, blah, blah. Um, the fact that I felt like we dominated them. Um, there was maybe a little period, uh, I think, in the first half when they looked to be on top. But barring that, I don't think they really got a kick. And I think now people will start to think, I mean, anyone wants to beat Spurs. Like Danny, the first two games I look out for in the season are Spurs and uh, Manchester United. Um, any other, other game kind of falls into place. But I think the fact that you know, like you said, we made Conte take off his best players, which seems to be a running theme with managers who play against us, um, which again, we'll talk about later. Um, yeah, the fact that he took off his, his best players and kind of, not through the game, but, you know, knew, like Josh said, he knew that he wasn't going to get nothing out of this game. So, kind of shrugged his shoulders and decided to uh, bring on his his lesser players. So, yeah, I'm 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 so happy that we beat them because they're your rivals, and you always want to get one up on your rivals. And the fact that you know it, it does still hurt that they beat us to the Champions League last season, it it, it still does hurt me. I'm not going to lie, um, but we're putting steps forward to rectify that this season. And beating them was um, obviously great. Mm. Agreed, agreed. And um, it's always quite amusing when when you get the goal like Jesus got as well, where. It's come as a result of them making a colossal cock up. That's always just makes it that little bit sweeter as well. The French goalkeeper. Yeah. yeah. Did, L- okay. did Larry spend um, the evening, bef- the night before, uh, with over at Lauren Cashoni's house again? Quite possibly. And did you did you see one of the um, pictures that Stuart McFarlane put on the Instagram page? And it was the players arriving, and um, there's like the full sort of crew of Arsenal players, and and Lloris is is right sort of. 
almost within the group of Arsenal players. It's really bizarre. It's like, obviously, they just arrived at the same time, but I wonder if that was a bit of Agent Loris talking. Uh, but yeah, for, for the record, I personally wouldn't have him as French number one either. But, you know, that's just me. Um, and Danny, just sort of briefly, I mean, I think you're from the same cloth I'm cut from, where don't care about performance, don't care whether it's justified or not, don't care whether we deserve it or not. Just beating them is just fantastic, isn't it? And seeing so many of their fans crying after the game, I just, oh, inject it like just straight into my bloodstream. It's just, it's so funny when they give it all that and then, and they can't take it, can they? It's, it, it's just the best feeling when, when you put it up a minute. And it's, if, if anything, it's a little bit more delicious, the fact that if we, we do beat them by well, not playing our very best, but we were playing magnificently, 22 shots, um, 64% possession, 90% pass success rate. We beat them on tackles, we beat them on corners and dispossessed and aerials, beat them on dribbles, beat them on average rating for everybody. And then um, it's just the... Um, Oh, so there you go. Yeah, no, Chris just disappeared. I'll leave it to Josh to move him around. Uh, and then just to see the um, the way that we played and we could have got a lot more. And I think if it wasn't for the fact we had a, a game against uh, a Bodo coming up in midweek, we we might have put a little bit more into it. Could have, could have easily scored some more goals. And the whole thing is a delight to see. And like we'll probably come on to a little bit later, but... We, oh, there's been two Arteta Arsenals recently. There's been the Arteta Arsenal where uh, Bamiyang was scored all the goals and no one else really scored many goals, and then that is you end up in trouble with that because you've only got one person scoring goals. We saw it in the Henri days. If Henri or Wright didn't score, then at, at, then at times we go, well, who else is going to score? I just looked in the Premier League this season. We've had nine different goal scorers and eight different players with assists. And when you've got that much quality, that much attackingness, that you uh, other teams are going to go, well, as, as we saw in the Liverpool game, how how do you stop us? You, you stop us on the left, we'll go down the right. You stop us in the middle, we'll go down the other side. And then it, that, Liverpool at some point were even um, trying to do the long ball. But for us to be at this point in, this, in the season, we'll have played 11 games and won 10. And that one that we lost, we look back at that and go, I don't know how the hell we lost that. They are rubbish. And it's just unbelievable. I was listening to the um, the Totally Football show, and there's only been two teams, two, three Premier team, only three Premier League teams ever that have won eight out of the first nine games and not gone on to win the title. It's Arsenal twice, Newcastle once. There you go. What more can I add to that? What more can I add to that? Um, we'll come. We'll probably touch on titles and stuff in a, in a minute, but let's have a look at oh we should mention as well we also beat some farmers from scandinavia or something last week something like that i don't know something happened uh no they, bless they, them they did smash roma 6-1 last season yeah and i am i am in jest because to be fair that their atmosphere was fantastic their fans were great and um yeah we did Very beat good. Bodo 3-0 um on on the week and fabio Vieira is the next coming of jesus facts Anywho, uh, yeah, Liverpool obviously is, is probably the main focus of our discussion point. Um, did you you weren't there for this one, Carl? No, you, you were still recovering. No, I was still recovering from COVID. I could have gone, but not unlike Daddy, I didn't want to be a super spreader. Um, <laughs> oh, right wise, a um, wise man you are. There, though. Yeah, <laughs> James and uh, James and Daniel were were indeed in attendance. And Femi. Looking at and Femi, yeah, and Femi. Um, yeah. 
you know what's so good about uh, beating Liverpool? Sorry, go on. Yeah, go on. I was going to also say that John was at a super spreader event, but I think that was something different. That's something very different. Yeah, he's still cleaning <laughs> That was up. a more of an itchy version. <laughs> How can we sort it out of a bit of cream? What me and Carla got, you can't sort out of a bit of cream. There are, there are rumours out there that John's uh, bedroom is entirely covered in plastic and it ain't the Dexter type. Anyway, Carl, go on. Um, do you know what's so good about beating Liverpool? It's just listen to their fans moan. And yeah. I don't, I'm sure everyone's probably seen videos and tweets and whatnot of just their incessant moaning. Do you know what they're like? They're like they're like an ex-partner who like literally you move something and they moan and no matter what you do it's just not good enough. I mean not only the fact that they've moaned at their own team, they're also moaning about Arsenal, which it 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 begs belief just how whiny all their fans are. And it's not just like one or two, it's a fucking collective, excuse my language. Like it genuinely is. Like, even in that game, the the team for us, obviously the very surprising thing was Tomiyasu playing at left back, because I don't think anyone kind of expected that. I'm sure everyone expected Tierney to play, which in the grand scheme of things, it makes a lot of sense. Like the reason why he played, because you've got Salah who's right footed, and put a Tomiyasu on his um who's also right footed, putting him there, kept Salah quiet. Obviously, it's made him flipping um, get substituted. So, in the grand scheme of things, it makes a lot of sense. I think the team selection was obviously spot on. The team kind of picks itself. If I'm really honest, I thought Vieira might have just snuck in ahead of um, Odegaard just because of, like you said, Chris, of how good he played against Bodo Glimp. Like, I thought he was excellent. Um, so I didn't know if maybe he might change it up just a little bit, just to throw Liverpool on their toes a little bit and think, oh, they're playing Vieira, so the Odegaard. But no, he he kept with Odegaard. And, you know, um, I'd never watch build-up to any games because um, I just don't want to hear Gary Neville talk or my Tyler talk or, God forbid, Jamie Redknapp. Fucking hell, how much a commentator, he, I don't know. Anyway. He was he was the better of the lot, the ironic thing this weekend. But yeah, I agree. Yeah, and then they brought out John Barnes, who... John Barnes for me, I think he's they all, when in time there's racism in football, they wheel out John Barnes. Um, so and he just chats shit. He no, he does. He chats so much shit. Like he's just an absolute idiot. Like I I've got a real hatred for John Barnes. I don't know why. Failed out at Celtic, failed out as the Jamaica uh, manager. He's just a <laughs> fucking idiot. It's like he really is. Um, Let it all go, sorry. Carl. Let it all go. Sorry, it's sorry. I just I have I just got a hatred <laughs> for John Barnes. I think he's such an idiot. But <laughs> Even they brought him out, and then when he talks, he just talks nonsense. But I'm just setting it in for the game. You know, you turn it on, you hear Mike Tyler, and it's live. Shut up, you prick. But anyway, um, <laughs> you sit down and you just see um, Liverpool try to attack. We break it up, and a few passes goes to Odegaard. Martinelli makes a perfect run and scores within a minute of um, the, the first whistle. And the goal was absolutely brilliant. You know, if you wanted anyone to score, it's going to be Martin, um, Martinelli. Because the pass on Martin Odegaard was sublime. It absolutely was perfectly weighted. Didn't have to break stride, Martinelli. Uh, Started it past Addison. And it was just perfect. It was brilliant. And when that happened, you just thought, today's going to be a good day. Mm. Yeah, agreed. A a confession to make, you said about the build-up. I was actually watching Ren Nantes just to kick off. Who, uh, well, who just doesn't find that hard to believe? Well, because I, 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 like Carl, I can't. I can't be. I remember growing up, I used to watch every minute from the first, you know, all the build up and all of that. You know, I can't be bothered. I literally turn on at kickoff, 
Um, I switched over because Ren had just, just scored as we kicked off. And I switched over literally as the ball hit the net from Martinelli. I was like, I should probably switch over more often. This is good. So, um, yeah, that, that was... The only thing that I think can help you was, was uh, did Balogun score? Or was it Ren and not Rom? No, Rams. And it was nil-nil oh. against PSG. He actually had two good, very good chances in that game. But, yeah, he's doing, he's, oh. he's having a lovely old time, his, his, his flow. Uh, anywho, Josh, uh, one of your probably one of your favourites, given his um, allegiance previously to Brighton, uh, Ben White's quotes uh, after the game. I don't know if you, if you heard this one, but they asked him what what they thought of Liverpool's attacking formation of like four up front, and his his response was, "Oh, did they? I I, I didn't notice them." <laughs> I, I, I have got a video saved ready. I think has he got a popped collar? Yeah. And he's just, yeah, I haven't watched it yet, but I am it's, ready to go on it because so I am good. fully going through the full Ben Wright repertoire it, of the fact he doesn't watch football either. No, so he, he doesn't have a clue. He's just your quintessential, like, deadpan, dry comic. Uh, but you yeah. know that in the dressing room, he's probably life and soul. I think he's he's clearly a very intelligent guy. But that that was, it was a masterclass in, in shutting down Liverpool's front four. I actually hmm. thought, I don't know if you agree with this, I actually thought it was a little bit disrespectful of Klopp to sort of just assume that if he puts all his best forwards on, well, they'll just win. And taking off Salah was like, that was proper, proper sort of chuckling to myself. But we we pinned them back. And although, unpopular opinion, I didn't actually think we played brilliantly for the whole game, particularly the first half. I thought we were, we were quite poor apart from the start and the end. But what I really liked about that is Liverpool rolled into town just assuming if they played four forwards, we would mm. we would buckle under pressure. But but once again, we you know we get the perfect start. But even with the setback, mm. we've got enough about us to come back and go again. That was the biggest criticism of us last mm. season against both mid table and and the, the you know the higher up sides was that we could not recover from a setback. That's what I really liked the most. And to put down, albeit an out of form Liverpool side. It is a statement, isn't it? Whatever way you look at it, they're tenth. What is it? Fourteen points behind us now. Something. Uh, they are. Are they ahead of Bournemouth on goal difference purely because they beat them nine nil? I think it's something like. I think, think they're behind them. I think. I'll have a look. Yeah, Bournemouth are eighth. Liverpool are tenth. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> they're behind Fulham. Nuts. Nuts. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, <laughs> it's it's quite funny when you look at that in that direction, but. Yeah, I would say in terms of what we did, that I did have a similar criticism. When we scored that goal after, what, 50 seconds. And I think one thing that we didn't mention was that, um, yeah, England's greatest right back, according to those based in the Northwest, um, not in Manchester, but a bit, a bit further up, um, was um, AWOL again. Um, I don't know where he was. Anyone see Trent? Was the game? I think I only saw him go off when um, he <laughs> finally tried to get close enough to Martinelli uh, that he still missed uh, blocking the cross. Uh, but yeah, the space that was left there, I think that was the thing that annoyed me the most in that first 20 minutes was we scored after a minute. I remember the Liverpool sides, even under Brendan, you know, they'd score after 30 seconds and then they'd hit five in the next 30 minutes and they completely clear the game out with us. And I thought we had the opportunity to do that to to Liverpool they were really on the rocks at that point but yeah I think we did struggle with their midfield I think that was one problem that Arteta 
had that what he'd done with Xhaka. He'd basically, you know, he would change what we'd done with Tommy Arsu, but I think there was still that kind of fear of Trent coming the other way and making sure that Xhaka was sitting a little deeper. I think as soon as Xhaka pushed up again back into what has been working for us every other week, and that's where we hit Liverpool the most, was just pushing them back, pinning them back, winning that midfield battle again. But um, other than you know, giving us the assist uh, for the, the third goal, Thiago was a hell of a player. He was their best player on the pitch by a mile. Um because we just couldn't get close to him. And that would be my only real criticism of us was every problem we created or every problem they created for us purely stemmed by our inability at that point to close down Tiago quick enough or really put a good enough tackle in. But otherwise, I think it was a superb performance from us. Trent, by the way, um, I believe he's... Um... He's still recovering from the blatant penalty that that he should have had when Martinelli crossed the ball. So that's that's a thing. Apparently, if you if you look at any Liverpool fans' timeline, once you've scraped away the four tons of salt and you've cleaned up all the the soppy tears and you've stopped singing "Always the victims, it's never your fault," um, <laughs> then you will you'll find some tweets lurking around where Liverpool fans yeah. are crying indeed about it being a penalty. I don't... It makes I, me I laugh genuinely... I've only got this still image of it. They don't have... They, they never show the full... Yeah, the um, full... Yeah. ...clip of him exactly. crossing the ball. Because when it's still image, it looks like it's a it's a tackle. But obviously, mm. it's just... He's crossing the mm. ball and it's a follow-through where he's, he's... The action of it going Where Trent's run across his line. Yeah, if it's anything, just... it's a foul... It's an attempt... It's almost a foul by Trent because he arrives so late to the cross like it's mm. just it, it, they were comparing it to the was it the Bowen one for West Ham I think where he put across and got his, his studs caught in the guy but mm. even that I didn't think was was a foul so oh, I don't know anyway they yeah. can cry like, right. we, we do against the well. ball, aren't we yeah so I mean, everyone's got a question as well that I've just highlighted mm. about what Trent was complaining about to the referee on the first goal I guess he wasn't ready didn't hear the whistle <laughs> or <laughs> assumed it was offside which wasn't just because you don't track a runner doesn't mean he's offside, Trent. Exactly, no. <laughs> makes no sense. And and our, you know, our was... thoughts, our thoughts and prayers go out to Gareth Southgate at this difficult time because with <laughs> Carl Walker missing the World Cup and Trent being out of form, he's only got seventeen right backs to pick yeah. from now. So that's that's <laughs> well, that's awkward. To, to AC Jimbo today, and apparently Trent didn't be, decide to become a right back until he was seventeen. He was a midfielder or a winger, mm. and they said the easiest way to get into a team is by playing as a fullback. And that's the only position we've got to so say. We trained him as a fullback. I think it might be time to, to reassess that because uh, he is he, having a shocking last. What, I still don't. Months? I still don't think he's decided to be a right back. This is retirement campaign. Yeah. But but one, one he, thing I would say, and we're we're not here to defend Liverpool players. Far from it. But the only thing I would say in his defence is he he is the classic victim of his club are playing like dog shit. Like Virgil van Disney is getting absolutely no stick whatsoever. And he has been fucking appalling this season. He turns like a truck, Um, you know, and this is apparently the best defender in the world. I I genuinely think that the the trouble with players like Trent is he is your quintessential modern fullback. And what I mean by that is he's a winger. Like he's not a fullback. You've never heard anyone give an attacking fullback 
all the credit in the world for their defensive duties. Like I've just mentioned Carl Walker, you know, for all his spursiness, he's been one of the most consistent attacking fullbacks in the league. Kieran Trippier, another one who's English, but he's known for his free kicks and his attacking crosses. He's not known for, you know, his recovery pace and making a last ditch tackle, is he? He's known for being an attacking fullback. So yeah. I, I think if Liverpool were winning and Trent was making these mistakes, nobody would give a shit. And he scores that free yeah. kick against Rangers, doesn't he? Which is basically the equivalent of Danny scoring against the pub team. <laughs> but it's... Um, good evening, Rangers fans. Uh, but it's, um, you know, you, you didn't you didn't hear anything that night about how he couldn't defend, did you? Um, so yeah. I just, yeah, I'm not, not here he, to defend he, him. But... He shouldn't be a right... I'm not, it, not, I don't really care. Like, his career could implode. I couldn't care less. But he's not a right back. <laughs> and they need to think about changing his position. Even bringing him into midfield and making him a number eight or something like that because mm. his passing ability is very good and he can take free kicks and things like that. So, but defending is really bad. So for me, yeah, he needs, if I'm a Liverpool fan and I'm Klopp, you're thinking to yourself, okay, he can't defend, but we need him on the pitch. So where can I put him <laughs> that could do the least <laughs> amount of damage, I guess, is, is what you're looking at. And it is either on the wing, but then you still have to get back to help your fullback or put him in centre midfield and let mm. him use his range of passing but yeah. as I said I, I couldn't give a damn I hope yeah. or don't have a 90 year old James Milner and what a 50 year old uh, yeah. uh, Jordan Henderson as <laughs> exactly. DMs trying to cover him <laughs> to, yeah yeah back yeah. five would make sense for them but anyway yeah. fuck Liverpool um yes. Danny 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 uh what I wanted to sort of ask you is in he kind of bit a bit of spoiler alert there Carl mentioned Tommy Asu coming in at left back I tweeted about this uh, and just said he for me, like he was the that a lot of players will catch the catch the eye, and obviously we give credit to to Bukayo Saka for that. You know that calmness in 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 sort of the penalty situation, super calm. Martinelli, I thought was brilliant all day, and 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 had the aforementioned Trent on toast. But that defensive performance right away across the back, we might come on to the centre backs in a minute. But Tomiyasu was just for me, he's he's that kind of guy who you could give him a nuclear bomb. And say right one one inch wrong, and everybody goes bang, and he'd be like, "Yep, no problem at all. Give it to me. I'll deal with it." And he'd move it from here to there, and you wouldn't, you just wouldn't hear anything because he's so consistent. And what I liked about his performance in this game as well was, you know, he's playing out of position, whatever way you look at it. I know he has played left back before, etc. But his natural position is a centre back. He's been converted into a right back, which he's done an equally brilliant job at, and now he's gone over to left back. Kept Salah absolutely silent. This is a player who Liverpool have have banked their future on by giving a new contract. There's a mm. there's a there's a whiff of a Bamiyang about that. Mm-hmm, I'm just going to mm-hmm. put that out there right now. Uh, less said about him, the better. Um, but yeah, Tommy Asu. I just thought his overall performance bled into the rest of the defense. Calming influence. Um, I guess my question to you now is like, what did you think of the defensive side of things, and how do you then take him back out of the team because he was that good? Well, how do you take him out? You, he is obviously our—he's our Jules Gramandi, our Remy Gard, our um, somebody who will play in any one of the positions, much like Tierney plays centre back, left centre back for Scotland. He, uh, well, yeah, Toure started out, uh, I think, as a defensive midfielder for us. He was a right, <clears throat> but he—he knows there's enough games this season. Thirty-eight in the league. Um, is it fifteen or seventeen to get to the Europa League final? We're going to be playing best part of 65 games this season with with one or two decent um, domestic cup runs. But there was um, it, it wasn't all sunshine and roses for our defence um, against Liverpool. I was, I was watching back the uh, 
I've got every game. I download every game after it's been on. And I was watching it back before the, before the show started. And if you remember back to their goal, we had Tommy Asu playing uh, in the left back, left wing back position. And he was drawn so far out of position by sticking with Salah, which worked wonderfully, like you were saying, for the rest of the game, that when they attacked down, down our, um, our left-hand side or their right-sided play went down there, Saliba had to go across with this player to try and uh, once uh, Gabriel missed the clearance because he stretched his foot out running back to goal, missed the clearance. Then the ball went down towards our corner. Saliba went with the player. And then that means um, uh, Gabriel had to get up, recover himself, go after their player who scored. Meanwhile, Ben White's jogging back with no one there. And uh, looking at it, Tommy Asu was halfway between going to the, the, uh, the corner flag and halfway between covering Salah. So at that point, you think, well, he's been pulled in two different directions. And so that looking back at that as, as an individual incident, that was really bad planning because the whole point of having two centre-backs playing as full-backs is to do defensively. If we wanted to do attacking or defensively and covering, keeping the damn Salah and the one on the other side, keeping them quiet. So when you look at that individual bit, it was a terrible bit of defending. Um, I think Gabriel has got too many rickets in him. He has made, you look at highlight reel this season of how many mistakes Gabriel has made. I'm not sure if he's thick or if he's having a bad time. You look at, so, or maybe it's because you play next to Saliba. Saliba looks to be an intelligence level of something with a brain the size of a planet. He reads every aspect of the game, every minute. He's got everything marked and watching it. And maybe that's why we're looking at Gabriel now going, oh, um, like when you see Tony Adams reading the game like an absolute genius, and then you see Martin Keown going in there biting people and pulling their hair because Keown, bless him, is is, is a bit of a savage. Um, and so I suppose it's best you have one that is going to read everything. But we just, I think we're so spoilt with Saliba. He is such an absolute Rolls Royce of a player. And seeing it so early on, I mean, like Chris was saying this many years ago before we even signed him, how good he was going to be. But it's it, the whole thing was a delight. But then they, the only way. Because we couldn't get the crosses in, the only way um, Liverpool were getting anything out of us was trying to do us on the counter attack and then just doing lucky balls. It's like that from that the, their goal. It was a, a hoofed from all the way from right back, for, all the way across the halfway line down into our third of the pitch, and that's how that. And that was only after I don't know what time they scored their goal, but that was the only way they were getting past us. And then the second goal they got was just a lucky diagonal through ball that it managed to go past enough of our players. And they realised you're not getting anything going down the wings because Tommy Ashu and Ben White are turning you inside out. And even for our first goal, you track that goal back. It was it was Ben White at right back who put the ball through to Saka. And the sack crossed it through to Erdegaard, and then Erdegaard put it through to a non-running um, Martinelli. So even our even our defenders are still setting up goals in that position as well. So much good in every single department. And then, like you were saying at the beginning of the show, Chris, we still got Vieira coming in, and we still got Macuinos um, who's looking brilliant. And then Eddie is it's, luckily for Eddie, it's, it's not his job to score in the league. That's that's obvious. His job is to score in Europa League, and everything's just clicking at the moment. And uh, and we all know that Haaland's a robot, so when he needs an oil change, that's our chance. But someone was on Radio 5, the, 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 the crying Scousers, and someone they made the point that um, Arsenal are never going to win the league because Man City, when they play, is, is six points for Man City. And I thought, that's a bit preemptive, isn't it? That's a little bit... Uh, you're, you're hoping there that you're automatically assuming you're going to beat us home and away because you look at the form we have and the way we're playing and the ability for... 
all of our defenders just to go, uh, right, you go and play there. Now you go and do that. We can have full, we can have attacking fullback defenders. We can have solid marking centre-back defenders. We can play three centre-backs. We can play five centre-backs. We've got party, midfield, holding everything. Just the whole the thing, thing is were, just an absolute we were a, delight to watch. We were a dodgy red card last season away from beating Man City. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, true. Well, that was Although the they have changed it. Yeah, they have changed it, though. They've, they've brought in Haaland. That was a point last season at which people mm. say, oh, are you only now believing that Arsenal are good because we're top of the league? No, the game against Man City last season, the game against Liverpool last season, that was the, and the Spurs one at home, those were mm. the three games last season that I looked at and went, fucking hell, if he can get this side ticking with a couple of new signings, we are going to be unstoppable for most of the I- league. I read more into the wins at Brentford, the win at Palace, you know, the 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 win against Fulham in the last minute. I read more into those games than I do against Man City or Man United or, you know, Chelsea City because th- th- there is a myth that it's always the same thing that comes around this time of year. Every time a World Cup comes around or whatever it is, oh, well, you know, you've got to beat one of the big sides at some point. Do you? Ask Porto about that. No, you don't. Yeah. You, you really what, don't. If you what get did they four... beat Monaco? Was it seven five in the semi final yeah, or something? Exactly. And and I mean, you know, you only have to if Man City and, and we'll, we'll come on to whether we're in a title race in a second or not. I, th- I still think that's way over the expectations I've got personally, but still. But you you don't have to. You know, you Liverpool could go and turn over Man City this weekend. Doesn't mean Man City aren't going to win the league, does it? You know, it, you, you can lose home and away to three of the top four. If you win every other game or you win 90% of the other games, you're still going to be up there. It, the league is not decided on two games. So, you know, equally it's so. Consistency. Yeah. And, and I know I sort of mocked earlier on about Liverpool being so far, so many far uh, points behind us now. They'll be in the top three or four by the end of the season. You know, um. a club with a club with players that good. They're only going to be down there so long. Look at Man United. I mean, we all laughed at them, didn't we, for weeks? And for the record, I still think they're bloody awful. But they are getting results. You can't, you can't knock that. Um, so, I mean, there, there, there are some sides that have just got too much quality and will be up there. Um, just See, quickly, I'll be honest, Chris. I don't know. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. So, at the moment, Diaz is out till after the World Cup. Um, mm. You're playing a 35 year old Milner and a very <laughs> shit. Um, Henderson in central midfield with Fabinho, who's kind of lost his form. Uh, and out of sorts, Salah, um, mm. a right back who cannot defend for this for his life. Liverpool, I, I'm not saying Liverpool are going to get relegated. I'm not saying that at all. But <laughs> like, I don't know if they're going to be up there. Like, I really don't. Unless they absolutely click. I mean, you look at them now. They they are forced into playing Nunes up front now with, I guess, Jota and Salah, who Salah scored a a non-penalty goal this season. I don't think he has. I think he scored two goals in the league. Mm -hmm. Were they non-penalties? Because one of them was definitely a penalty against... um, Who did he have a penalty against? I can't remember, because they were talking about giving it to Nunes and he didn't give it to Nunes. But whoever it was, um, he's... The fact that he's not on form whatsoever. People keep saying, oh, you lot just wait till Salah. He's not going to the World Cup. He's going to charge up. What's happening? And I'm not mm. saying he can't click. He's not going to click into form. Of course he can. It's, you know, he's done it for so many years. But like you said, Chris, um, 
there is a touch of the Abameyangs about him where mm. he's got his money now. He's comfy. Like he's got what he wanted. He held out. He's got his three, four hundred grand a week, whatever it is. He knows he's going to be the last big contract of his career. You know, whether he sits whether he sits on that until the end of the four or five year contracts, whatever it was, I can't remember. But, I will disagree slightly on it though, with Salah. He was shit before he signed that contract. I agree. He was the end of last season. I was looking at it. I, I think he's been a for a long time. Mm, oh yeah. Yep. Well, okay. I'm not going to go full Chris Hipster on it, but if you Flane look at his broke form, him, didn't he? Yeah. If you look at him post that Afcon, mm. that was his last yeah. chance to win the one thing that he was missing. Yeah. He's got mm. a Premier League. He's got a Champions League. Maybe he would have reined it in after he, uh, or probably he would have moved on like Mane did. You know, he's won everything, won what he can for his nation, missed out on going to the World Cup as well. Senegal were going to the World Cup. Mane's still got something to play for. They got rid of the wrong one. Yeah, but, the wrong one, yeah. Um, they could have cashed yeah, in on Salah. Definitely. They? Yeah. Mm. You look at that his stats from last thing. season towards the, like you were saying, toward, I was looking at mm. transfer market last night at him, and uh, towards the, the second half of last season, he was terrible. The first mm. 10 games, I think he had eight goals in the first 10 games of the season, including a hat-trick. And then yeah. after that, and then we're going to stay. Klopp's always been. Oh God, I'm bleeding again. Uh, he's always been. Right, it's my thumb. I cut my thumb on a packet of bloody uh, cold and flu. Nearly died. That's this. How many people really thought you say a packet of biscuits? Be honest, with you. It wasn't. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Anyway, I thought it was a tuna tuna. It's a packet of uh, Lemsip cold and flu. I pushed the tablet in and then I split me blood. Look at that. My finger. I could die. That's nearly an armful. Danny, Danny, this is why you need the, um, the sachets. Don't I'm not allowed near kettles, Carl, so you're going to have to down and uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to end up with a lap full of hot coffee, hot water. Don't worry, just say, uh, it's, a, just say it's a cold brew and you can be a hipster. That's it. Yeah, my point is, quickly, is um, Klopp's always been going on about he's, he's still dining out on selling um, Coutinho for all that money and rebuilding Liverpool. He should have done that with Salah. He didn't do it. And he's now living in the bath of sadness and tears. Yeah, but they've got an aging team. I mean, Salah's what, 31? Some of the lines? Uh, so Salah's 30. You've got two. They've got Milner, who's 35. You've got Van Dijk, who's late 30s. Um, uh, sorry, early, sorry, sorry, yeah. sorry. Late 20s, early 30s. He's 39. <laughs> no, sorry. He's, I mean, 39. he's late 20s, early 30s. He's got a Nigerian passport somewhere. I think he means about 31, 30. Yeah, about that. I mean, isn't yeah, he? Twi- so, I thought I, I thought he was younger than that. But carry I on. think none of us care. Fuck them. I don't care how old well, they yeah, are. Yeah, but their old. team, their team is aging, so they need kind of a an overhaul like Arsenal did. He's 31, but, Van Dyke. Yeah, I, I must admit, I didn't realise he was that old. Yeah. Old bastard. But, but I think I think um, I think the I, I guess I guess the 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 overriding point in all this is that when Mo Salah eventually is filmed in a hotel room having signed for Everton uh, and with a drip doctor selling uh, saying that Jurgen Klopp didn't know how to how to manage professional players. <laughs> Um, we'll be able to say I should I shouldn't mock him because the, the the massive uh, the massive ex Arsenal forward fraud has scored for Chelsea tonight. But never mind, it's only AC Milan. Um, yeah, and they also had a man sent off, so it's a little bit easier. Uh, but there you go. And you know, we all know there's only one one club in Milan anyway. Uh, so let's um, just before we sort of uh, well before we leave Liverpool behind, shall, shall we say? Just a couple of other quick quick hit topics I want to hit on. Um, Josh, you've got a choice. 
you give new contract terms to Martinelli, to Saka or to Saliba, who are you doing first and why? Uh, well, you told us that Saliba was already done. So unless you don't know what's going on. Then, I'm, uh... I'm, I'm, hyper, I'm putting the hypothetical out there. <laughs> don't, don't tell the Sorry. listeners all our secrets. <laughs> um, I think I'd go in with Marty. Martinelli, mm. I would go for one because I think um, Saka, I think you could hold off a little bit longer because, yeah, he's been at Arsenal for a little bit longer. Well, he's been at Arsenal since he was a, yeah, a little in. So mm. you can play off a little bit getting closer. You can pull on those uh, Arsenal heartstrings a little bit longer. Uh, Saliba it is basically it's between Saliba and Martinelli. And to be honest, I think you get Martinelli done first. He's the player that all of the top teams are going to be looking at. Um, especially one that we've just played. We know how much Jurgen Klopp loves him. He's loved him for at least three years since he burst onto the scene and probably went up to, I guess it was Michael Edwards at the time and said, where the fuck have you been scouting? Because this kid is electric <laughs> and cost 7 million and some bum from Corinthians had found him. Um, yeah, I think that's the main thing that uh, for me, I'd go for him because he's going to have the biggest suitors. Then it's on to... Um, Saliba and then Saka. Mm, interesting. Um, Carl, a question I have for you uh, post Liverpool as well is in your. I'll give you the. I'll give you the horrid question. I'm afraid, but does does that performance like how how long how long do we how long do we give it before we before we all start looking at it realistically and saying you know we're we're in a a title contention um, because. People don't seem to understand this concept. You can be a contender without actually winning something. Spurs fans in particular will struggle with that one, even being contenders. But there is an element of, you know, we, we, we're we all kind of playing it down, aren't we? Even even Mikel Arteta is, is being very, keep it on the ground, on to the next game, etc. But how long are you giving it based upon that performance in particular off the back of Spurs, where we start saying, actually, we're, we're kind of we're a serious threat here. We're a serious force. I said this on the spaces that we did earlier um, on after the game that I think you got to look after the World Cup. We just got to keep mm. plugging away. I know the theme of the thing has been like game by game, but I think after we come back from the World Cup, because nothing really results don't really the table don't really t- take form. I guess until after Christmas, and that's when people start dropping off and coming um, into form. Um, as long as we're in and around the top of the table, the top four, I mean, I don't really mind. The minimum goal is top four. That's the minimum goal. If we end up even second this season, I think that is massive for us because the leap from being fifth, eighth twice, and then fifth again, and then going to second, I'll be happy with. We know that you know, Man City are probably going to run away with this title. But the fact that we're kind of keeping tabs on them and we're just keeping them down to say, look, you may win this, but you've got to get past us first. And even if um, we play them and we lose to them, that's neither here nor there. Because Man City are going to drop games, drop points this season, and they're going to lose a game this season. They're invincible. And it's going to be like a random flipping 
Crystal Palace away that they're going to lose to, something like that. Um, I I think at the moment we're contenders. For the top, we have to be. We're second. We're, sorry, we're top of the league. So we have to be title contenders. Like, for me, everyone in the top six should be title contenders. Like, because that's the minimum aim. If you're meant to be this quote-unquote big six clubs, surely you're looking to win the title, otherwise you're not really a big six. What are you? Um, I don't think any Arsenal fans get excited about winning the league because we're realistic, you know, because the fact of the matter is what I guess the general public want is for Arsenal fans to say, oh, yeah, we're going to win the league. And then when we don't, straight away they're going to jump on us and say, oh, look, we told you you're not good enough to win the league. Where That's what I think Arsenal fans are scared of. We're scared of just believing a little bit and then having everyone throw it in our faces, telling us how we knew we weren't going to win the league. But give it till Christmas. After the World Cup, when people come back, then I think if we are even within five points of Man City in March, I'd be very happy. Mm. I think what helps temper our expectation is that the main contender to us has got a striker who has scored more goals since uh, in the league than Gabriel Jesus did last season at Man Mm. City. Um, that certainly helps temper expectations. But I also kind of wonder on how much both of us at the top of the, you know, what they're saying, what we're saying are the best two teams in the league right now in the country, how much we're trying to just get points on the board before we get to the crunch times in Europe. Because Mm. I think in both instances, get as many points on the board from our perspective because we don't want to miss out final day. But also, there's a European trophy available to both of these clubs, and that's the opportunities where drop points are going to happen. It's who I has the poorer or best, worst draws in Europe come the crunch time of the season. I think mm. you saw it today when Man City dropped mm. points in Europe, and I just saw the Pep interview, and Pep mm. was moaning, saying that he now has to go to Borussia Dortmund to get points um, mm. to be top of the because obviously they want to be top of the group. Mm-hmm. Um, to be seeded, and obviously, you know, I mean, he's probably thinking he probably was thinking way ahead, thinking, Oh, I can rest players against mm. um, Bruce Dortmund, but now he can't. So now it's probably yeah. in his head thinking, Shit, now I have to play a, a brilliant squad or a good team to go to somewhere like that. Where initially I wanted to rest players, yeah, he rested Harlan tonight. I was just um, gonna say, just did the free yeah. play, yeah. No, look at how many him. games Man City are gonna have to play this season, yeah, outside of the Premier League, where they're gonna have to play their best side. Compared to in the Champions League, compared to how many games we're going to have to play our best side in the Europa League, uh, it's going to be quite a significant difference there. I know some teams are going to look like Juventus might drop down into the uh, into the Europa League because they got smashed in Israel. Um, mm. Yeah, got smashed in Israel tonight. I watched the first half of that game; they were absolutely terrible. And so it's going to depend on that. But at the moment, it doesn't look like we're going to have many tough games. If even if we get to the final. Whereas Man City, once you get to the quarterfinals, home and away, you're going to be playing decent teams. And then he's going to be combining that with their usual League Cup win, winning run, and then their FA Cup run, because he's greedy. And we've seen that the whole time. It's like someone said on the Jimbo pod, he said, I expect Man City to get to the Champions League final, drop Holland and play three false nines. Because yeah. Pep is greedy, and we all know Pep is quite ignorant to doing what needs to be done. As we but saw the in the other, last Champions League Chris, final, Chris and I were Chris and I were just talking when we just before we came on air, and we were saying that it's very important for Arsenal to 
top their group in Europe because there's a playoff between second and third of who goes through. And we don't want to play any extra games. So although you're saying, you know, we've got to, we won't have any um, hard games, we've still got to play PSV twice, which hopefully we'll win. And we've still got to go and play Bodo um, away. So I still think it's really important for us to top our group just to avoid mm. those um, extra playoff games. And Gapco this mm. season has been unbelievable because he's not even the main striker. I think it's like 14 goals in 18 games and half a dozen assists. What a he's player. Just, just putting himself in the shop window for January, mm. isn't he? That one, <laughs> whenever we got a Man United for 100 million and then do nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the um, the other thing with Man City as well, I think, is that, and, and for the record, I'm with you, Carl. I think, I think we're all realistic on this pod. If you said to me now you can finish fourth and the league's over tomorrow, I'd take it. I just would like, uh, and you can say, "Oh, that's not very ambitious, is it?" We are. Um, I'll lead this into the question I've got for Danny in a minute, but we are, I think, probably eighteen months ahead of schedule. I think if you just said to Mikael, "Where you know where would you like to be, and where are you realistically going to be now?" I think he probably would have said, "Look, if we were comfortably in the top four this season by this point, he'd have been delighted." If you'd have said we'd be where we are right now, he'd have bit your hand off. Um, there's an element of momentum about the way we're playing right now. Um, and the, it's an underrated quantity momentum because it breeds confidence. And, you know, you can shut your ears, Josh. You can throw as many stats at me as you like, and you can give me all the XP, XG, HP, and catch-up sauce or whatever it is that you want to quote at me. You can give me all that as long as you like. If a team is playing well without injuries or, you know, with a consistent starting lineup with a good manager and good tactics and good setup, you can do wonderful things. Have a look at the league and table and see who's currently second behind PSG. Just saying. Is it Khan? But, um, no, it's not. They're in Bordeaux. The no. They're top of top of League Dirt, by the way. Let's move on before we bore everyone. But the only other point I was going to make about Man C is um, as good as Haaland is, and he is good, he's flavour of the month right now. Um, what is probably going under the radar is that Man City have got a couple of other players who are playing particularly well right now. You got Phil Froden. Um, mm. You've got um, what's the centre back called? Who's doing really well? Akanji is 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 playing very well. Um, Cancelo is Cancelo is is, is well, the best fullback in the world, isn't he? Let's be honest. Yeah. Um, Did you see there was a, a tweet going round where there was a, a a petition for the government to have Haaland <laughs> banned from the Premier League because he's a robot? Was that a real thing? That, that was, that was yeah. a real thing. Anyone can start those. But yeah, Excellent. and obviously Kevin De Bruyne is, is fantastic. Bernardo Silva is a brilliant player. You know, it only takes two or three of those to be off form and not getting the supply to Haaland. And suddenly questions are asked. And, and don't get me wrong, Haaland is he's a, he's a brilliant finisher. He's not a lot else. And this is why we saw Dortmund fans. He will also get an injury this season, like he has every season. This is it, and it's why sort of people already comparing him and saying, you know, is he as good as Messi and Ronaldo? Is it worse in his day? Is is he uh, is he better than Mbappe was and all this? And it's like, yeah, but there's more to. If you just want a goal scorer and that's it, yeah, he's your man. But if you want somebody who's going to do, you know, the second assisting, and, and yes, I know he has provided assists, but he should be scoring goals in that team. It's set up for him. The one time Pep has built a side around the number nine, he's got that now. You take that number nine out of the team like they did tonight, that's what happens. So He's a Norwegian Harry Kane. That's all he is. <laughs> <laughs> he's a bit better than that, to be fair. Yeah. Um, right. The other question I wanted to ask you, Danny, before we, um, and if anyone has any questions, by the way, Stick them in the group now. It's the time to do it. Uh, oh, we've got nine. That might be enough, to be fair. 
But um, the question I've got for you, Danny, is um, is uh, is Mikel Arteta getting enough credit for the job he's done? Because, you know, I, I don't need to repeat what I said last year. I, I went probably a bit early in thinking I wasn't sure about him and I had a lot of doubts. And at times I was I really did think it was probably time for him to wander off. He's proved me and a lot of other people wrong, but I just don't think he's getting the amount of credit he deserves. And I'm pretty sure he's quite happy with that. I'm sure he was delighted to stay under the radar. But when you really look at the job that him and, in fairness, Edu and the backroom staff have done in the summer to get players with the right mentality, to blend experience with youth, making the big call on on Aubameyang, you know, albeit having given him a contract but you know what I mean he he was strong enough to say do you know what we've got this wrong or the people above him were strong enough to say he's got to go that whole backroom staff and, and Arteta and his coaching staff and Gary O'Driscoll who I'd quite like to be my uncle because he just looks like a really nice guy um not in that weird way by the way but uh he he hasn't had enough credit I don't think do you would you venture to to go down that route because once again tactically even the substitutions, by the way, at the weekend, he, he got it spot on against a big side, and I think he—I think he deserves a bit more credit. What do you reckon? I think, well, in short, everybody deserves um, some acknowledgement for what they've done. Um, Stan Kroenke for stepping out of the way and letting Josh, as we saw in the documentary, have a big hand in getting stuff done. Edu Massively with the recruitment, that, by the way. and I mean, it was clear that Edu and Vinay and Josh, none of them wanted Aubameyang to go, but they trusted the manager. And it was a right call by the manager. I mean, it's a shame that Barca then went and got 20 million for him, but to, to carry on the, the, the pieces of the jigsaw to fit into place, Aubameyang needed to be out of that club, sacrificed, got rid of, and then other players come in. He's not made a, a bad transfer signing in the last two windows, which is, which is amazing. The contracts that he's handed out are really good. The next thing we will be judged on will be the contract renewals that he'll be handing out and the right players, like we were saying earlier, in the right order. And it's, uh, it is, it's, I mean, Piers Morgan has come out and said that he's behind him. So, I mean, we all know what that means. It's, uh, he's got, he's got the, he's, he's the got the kiss of, of approval. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think at various stages, Chris, last season, a big halfway through last season, you come out of the closet and said, right, I was wrong. Here's why is, and you listed, it'd be interesting now to go back and read those six tweets that you did and see they apply more now than what they did when you did it. Can I, I just clarify? I didn't come out of that closet can we just no you've, yeah. still, you've got one leg still firmly in that closet thank you <clears throat> i can probably try and find said tweets if you give me that they would be a really interesting read i think various people at various points now my excuse for not wanting arteta out is because when we talked about it i said i don't know who i'd want in so mm. partly out of ignorance about who i want in and i do remember saying many times i don't want to go through the whole Right, Arteta's players, they all now need to go like with Arteta, with um, Emery's players and with Wenger's players. I couldn't be bothered to go through all that again. Not that they're going to listen to me, but there was various reasons why I didn't want him to go. None of them were down just to purely managerial reasons. But I also said the performance against Spurs at home last season, 3-1, the, the way against Man City and the game against Liverpool, and we saw so many times, it, little bits, you see half half a game here or, or a substitution there, and you also see Arteta is learning. His substitutions this season, we're winning a game, got 20 minutes to go, he'll bring on a, a more def- uh, bring on Bob, Big Bob or bring on another defender and he'll settle the game down or another central midfielder and set all the game down. He's even resting players at the right point. We have seen the evolution of a manager 
from someone who's never done it before. And all you have to do is, is believe, and then you can become a the, part of the Arteta cult. And, it, and, it, and it's working. And I don't know anybody who does. There is a few people whose livelihoods rely on them shouting and screaming at Arsenal rubbish. They want everybody out. And then those people will now be busking outside the Emirates because nobody's going to be watching their shit because no one's buying that rubbish anymore. But it's uh, it's been a slow process. And well done to the people. People like Data says she's been in Artetwin from the beginning. And quite a few people have been in from the beginning. I know I wasn't. I thought that after all those games this the beginning of last season, he'd get the sack. But I don't think I ever called for him to be sacked purely out of laziness that I didn't want to go through the change again. Have you found your tweets? I I, 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 yeah, I, I, you know, weirdly, I... I cause Read gen, them out. Despite, well, I was just going to say, contrary to popular belief, I genuinely don't like giving myself credit. <laughs> but, but having well, we're mean through, to you 24-7, so we're going to give this well, chance yeah, for got, you to... Uh, balance um, it out. Read them I, out I, again. I, what I, what I was the date on them? The 7th of March. Um, so this would have been this year. So 7th of March. So this would have been just before just before it all kind of went off a cliff. So you can blame me, basically, is what we're saying here. Um, but in short, I said, the great thing about being a level-headed, well-educated and rational individual is you have the ability to, and self-awareness to hold your hands up when you when admit when you could be wrong. With that said, here's a thread on Artessa this season. So I, I, I sectioned it out into headings. Um, one of them was, or the first one was togetherness. Um, start of the season was a car crash, unbalanced squad performing like a group of strangers. He's molded them together into a solid group who'll fight for each other and the manager week in, week out. That applies to now, I would say. That's 100%. Uh, youth, many, including me, d- uh, doubted Mikel's ability to bring through and develop the most talented young players like Sir Smith Rowe, Saka, and more importantly, Martinelli, which are quoted there, have thrived given a chance. I mean, that is that is exactly what's happening now. Signings, Ben White was a gamble, Tommy Asu largely unknown, Erdegaard was a leap of faith post-loan, and Ramsdale an expensive show of faith. Pretty much all the signings he's made have clicked and lessons have been learnt from Willian Gate. Remember him? <laughs> Christ. Uh, big decisions, Ramsdale in for Leno is a great example of when Mikel put his balls on the line, essentially binning off a full German international for a, for a, huge, for a huge personality who, large, who had largely only experienced disappointment because he's been relegated with two different clubs before. Uh, one example of, ta- of taking a big decision for the team. Um, trimming the, This is quite a big one. Trimming the, trimming the fat at a key time. Aubameyang sale after, the, after the, being the manager who sanctioned and trumpeted his new contract less than two years ago is a huge call at the time. Not replacing him was a risk. He made that decision and the squad grew together as a result. So I guess that's the only one you could arguably say maybe there was a slight fault in not replacing him, but we all know the reasons why now, I guess. Uh, adapting and learning his trade, a stubborn and often micromanaging coach previously, Mikel has grown as a man and as a coach and as a tactician. Whilst I still feel there are areas that he can improve, his willingness to try new players in new roles or formations is letting them thrive. We've seen that massively this season. Um, and the last two were unity between club and fans. This is another massive one that Carl can certainly uh, sort of attribute to in the ground. Winning always makes the fans' relationships towards the manager and his players. But Mikel has really started to feel like a coach supporters trust back and appreciate. And it's good to see. Uh, and the last one was entertainment. I was worried about the start. I was worried at the start, really worried and very bored. Arsenal were playing sterile, dull, often depressing football. Mikel has developed a team and a style of play that's finally reminded us all how talented a squad we have and just how good they are to watch. Um, and then in summary, I just said thank you, really. So, but... Yeah. Um, okay. That's just my words. Like you don't have to agree with those words, but 
I think all of those points are pretty much valid for this season, aren't they? You know, and we're and we're not saying that one that I said about where, you know, he's he's still got a lot to learn. I still think that's the case. You know, he's still made some errors. He, you know, we all know that tactical switch at Old Trafford didn't really work. Um, and you know, there was a there's a there was a few moments on Sunday where I kind of went, oh, <laughs> you know, we looked a little bit nervous in that first half, but we came back from it. Um, you know, he is learning his trade and. He he strikes me as if he wants to play, you'll never walk alone on speakers on the training ground, um, you know. Or if he wants to play Ludo with between Saliba and Cedric on a Thursday night and get William Gallas to film it, I don't care. Like if it works and those players are happy and they clearly are and they're fighting together, um, and something I've I really like. And again, I think Carl, you'd probably be able to mention this. When we go behind at home now, the crowd or when we lose a goal, the crowd get behind us. There, there's a real belief that, oh, we've conceded a goal. Oh, well, let's get fucking behind them. Let's go again, you know, <laughs> to quote Miguel, let's fucking go, guys. But that, that is what it's like. And and that I've never heard that crowd like that in the last two games. Um, How's the fundraising just... going to have what your quotes um, on a plane flying it around the Emirates before the game? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I was, I'm just waiting for for, the, for um, that bloke who used to shout into his phone to, to crowdfund it so we can get that done. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it rings true. Go on, Carl. You were going to say about the atmosphere. Say, it's, been a bit of a, it's been a bit of a change in the ground. Um, the crowd is much more younger now. I think a lot of people took a COVID break and didn't uh, renew. And then what they've done in the North Bank, all the people that want to sing and stand up for the whole game, they've moved them all into one section. Also, Femi, I was talking to Femi um, on Sunday, and he was saying, because I said to him, I've never really seen where um, usually the ushers uh, at um, Arsenal are so strict. As soon as you stand up, they tell you to sit down. I don't know if anyone noticed on TV as well. Throughout the whole game, like people were standing up and they weren't being told to sit down, which is quite new to Arsenal. So I think they're kind of, I think now Arsenal have kind of listened to fans and said, look, as long as we stand up and everyone's standing up, then it doesn't really matter. Like what they wanted you to sit down was because of if I'm like me, I'm 6'3. So if I'm standing up, no one can see behind me. But if everybody's standing up, then people can see behind. So that is a. I think that's what's different. I think Arsenal now listen to their fans. They put all the the people that with their drums and want to sing in the North Bank. So that creates an atmosphere there straight away. And all the fans that they stand up. And I think it. This sounds so stupid, but the atmosphere is better when you stand up. Uh, it really is, and I know the reasons why we don't have standing stadiums. And I know we're trying to get back safe, safe standing, and hopefully it does come back maybe next year. Um, I think they're going to put in. I think they're going to put in safe standing for while we have our World Cup break. I'm sure that's what I've read somewhere with Arsenal, but that's by the by. Um, I think now because the crowd is much more younger, like you can't get a ticket for Arsenal for love nor money now. Like you try and get an Arsenal ticket for Arsenal, like you're literally scrambling. Whereas sometimes I could go the day before a game and just log on and think, oh yeah, it's a ticket there. I just get that. But now. The atmosphere is so much that like people want to go. Once winning breeds that sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? It breeds the atmosphere. Like if we weren't winning, no one would want to go. There'd be tickets on that like, probably general sale. Like no one wants to go. But now 
everybody wants to be a part of the atmosphere. Everybody wants to go there and sing and just be immersed in what the Emirates is. So that's what's good. And yeah, you're right, Chris. Arteta has definitely had a huge hand in that. So credit where credit is due. 100%. I feel like he's brought the club together and we've had our difficult patches. And you're right, he's not perfect. Nobody is. Sometimes, again, like the fact that he waited so long to make substitutions on Sunday, I was like, please make a substitution, please. But, you know, he knows what he's doing. That's the reason why... I guess we're talking about it and he's actually doing it. So he knows what he's doing. No, he's not perfect. But at the moment, yeah, he is a brilliant manager. He's doing wonderful things. And long may it continue because this club can achieve great things, whether it be this season or next season, wherever. Um, I feel that, you know, he's got a plan. And we all laughed when he said, trust the process. And that was a meme for ages and ages and ages. But now you're thinking to yourself, oh, okay, there is a process. And what I don't want is, even if we do fall off for some unknown reason throughout this season, which we are going to lose another game this season. Of course we are. Like We're not going to just lose one game in this season. But what I don't want is for everyone to kind of throw their hands in the air and say, look, I told you it was rubbish because we played well against a team that we lost to. And to be honest, we shouldn't have lost that. So as long as we keep that up and the players don't give up and they show the fight and willingness to continue to try and win games. I don't think anyone's going to be mad if we do actually lose a game. Mm. Yeah, I agree. This is really important that we keep this. And like you say, that, that reaction from the fans when we concede a goal or, you know, we, we are under the caution games where they get behind and, and, re, and we go again. That's massive. That needs to happen after a defeat. It did following United and it needs to happen if we lose again. And, um, Let's make no bones about it. Leads away after a European game on Sunday is is not an easy game either. So let's not get ahead of ourselves. Um, Can I just ask one question quickly? Yes. Um, Gabriel, sorry, um, sorry, I should say this. Jesus is on four yellow cards, and one game is mm. the next game. He he gets a yellow card. He misses. Would anyone have taken a sly yellow card against um, <laughs> Liverpool to miss the Leeds game? I don't know. I just thought that that would happen. Um, Someone asked that question. I'm sure I oh, saw okay. that somewhere. Um, I'm just seeing if I can, I don't know if it got starred, but somebody, if you're in the chat, give us a nudge. Somebody definitely mentioned it. I did see it go through. I I got the impression that there's two two things actually I noticed. I got the impression in that Liverpool game that he was having a little whinge here and there, wasn't he? And I did wonder if there was maybe a possibility he was trying to get involved a bit. Um, and that's nothing to do with the Henderson injury, uh, injury, the Henderson issue, by the way, which we're not going to touch on because no one really knows what's going on there. We'll leave that to the powers that be. Um, and if he did do what is being suggested, he can go fuck himself. Um, but the the other thing I've the other thing I've noticed, and I've been meaning to mention this many times in podcasts, and I keep forgetting this season. Have, have any of you guys noticed how much more shithousery we're doing? And one of the best ones for it is Aaron Ramsdale. The minute he did that, did you notice when he sort of went down with that injury on Sunday, it was directly after he'd kind of come rushing out and made a bit of a hasty clearance. And if Liverpool had got that ball and taken a quick throw in, he was kind of out of his goal. And then conveniently he goes down and the cameras go to Matt Turner and everyone's crapping themselves thinking he, he he is the king of, uh, you know, dare I say Joe Hart, because that brings back horrible memories of Spurs. But you know what I mean? He's got that kind of bit about him. Ben White's another one. 
little sly kick just to sl- stop the play here and there. Gabriel is good with a whinge. Jack, Jack has I always say done it. it. Yeah, is always in the ear. Jesus is another one. He's got that because he's got the eyebrows that go up. He always looks like he's got something, <laughs> you know, got something annoying him. <laughs> and Ramso loves taunting the crowd as well. Yeah, I mean, he does. But but I've just got the impression that we've really become a lot more streetwise. Um, we wound up Bruno Fernandes a treat, didn't we, in that game? It's a shame we lost because we could have really rubbed that in his face. But I mean, yeah, Jesus I, had a lot of um, a lot of reasons to be annoyed um, uh, at oh, the weekend God, yeah. as well. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like Liverpool players to get away with an elbow against Arsenal. No, um, no that doesn't happen. Or a sly kick or a rake down the studs, uh, down the shins or, yeah. No, I, I, is... just, I, just, I just say, if you haven't noticed it, just have a look. And, and Leeds is a prime example of a game where we're going to have to be quite streetwise because not only are 90% of their fans uneducated, it's also a bit of a hostile ground to go to. So, yeah, it, that, that'll be... And I think I seem to remember it was a bad-tempered affair when we won there last year. So... That will be a uh, it's a bad-tempered affair with Jesse March on the uh, sideline, irrespective. <laughs> having me, already, me. Having exactly. already seen him in the flesh down he's... at the Apex earlier this season, I was shocked that it took that long for him to get sent off because I think he was then sent off two games later after that. He has been cruising for that. He's... I think he missed their last game, didn't he? Again, <laughs> he's being so yeah. He's a perfect fit for a club like that, though, isn't he? You know, nobody he likes us. Just we don't care. So angry, so mm. angry. So if um, Arteta, you know, as soon as game starts, does the handshake just says, "Mate, I loved you and Ted Lasso." Perfect. <laughs> that, that is the way. Just get that under the skin. And I love, and I love, I love how vexed that not only Richard Keys but others are getting about Mikel coming out of the technical area. People are really upset by yeah. that. Aren't they? Why is he doing I, it? He's running I, too far out, and he's all I, over I, it. I genuinely thought he was going to two foot that Liverpool player in the touchline in the second half. I thought he's going <laughs> to yes. a lot cleaner yeah, all yeah. up. <laughs> you could just see he was like he was he was ready. Um, there'll be sideline techers before the season's over. There will. Oh, don't yeah. you worry about that. He'll take someone out. Fermi made a good point as well. Yeah. The ball boys and girls are doing a fantastic job. Keep mm. it going, guys and girls at the Emirates. They are yeah. brilliant. The one who held the ball away from the Spurs players and that, yeah, <laughs> fantastic stuff. But um, but yeah, just just keep an eye on that because I, I think we're learning the dark arts and, and you love to see it because sometimes you just, you have to be those guys, you know. Every Man City have been tactical fouling for 12 years now, you know. you Sometimes you just have to be a bit more streetwise. Anywho. Rest to, rest to lean off us a little bit because uh, what Gabriel Jesus has given away fewer fouls. Oh, sorry, has conceded more fouls mm. uh, at his time at Arsenal he did in his entire career at Man City and has got more <laughs> yellow cards than Impressive. he did in his entire time at Man City um, because now he plays for Arsenal. Mm. And he never, got, he never got booked for those tackles. No. City. Does for us, though. And oh, I don't yeah. know about any of you guys, but I, I couldn't fully uh, enjoy the celebration for Saka's goal um, because I just had that horrible thinking, is it offside thing? I hate the fact you can't properly enjoy a goal anymore. It's uh, I have that more down to the camera angle was the problem there. That's also Because true. you couldn't see the line. I'd, no. I didn't have a problem with it. I was happy with celebrating it. If I could just see along the line, it was fine because you knew mm. there was a space. The same as the Martinelli one. We had so much space on the flanks that you're just annoyed that you can't. We just had such a close view. If you're in the ground, yeah. fine, no problem at all. You wouldn't have batted an eyelid because you'd have seen across the line. Mm. But yeah, uh, I'm sure Femi at the stadium didn't have a problem. But for us <laughs> at home, <laughs> it, it was, was so zoomed in. You just thought Saka came out of nowhere. Yeah, and I and I didn't think it was a pen either for Gabriel. I mean, yes, he's it hits up. his chest. 
It's yeah. chest. I, I thought the same. And, he, and even if it does hit the arm, his arm is sort of here. It's not there. Like the one, was it Dan Byrne who got done for Newcastle? Yeah. There was a big uproar. Um, I mean, his arm was up here. Like Gabriel's a big lad. His, his, his arm is there. I mean, it's. I mean, Dan Byrne's not small, yeah. Chris. He's six Well, no, that is. No one's ever true. pointed that out before. No, no one's no, ever mentioned no. the Dan Byrne's. I quite like Carl being humble, saying he's 6'3. We all know you're 7'8, Carl. It's fine. Like, At least. Compared I've to you, Chris, and you, Danny, you both sit down, basically. I'm four three. No. I'm, I'm okay with that. I'm fine. I, I, I'm I'm in the new series of the Borrowers. It's going to be great. Anyway, um, as an old reference for anyone who's my age, Josh, I'm in the new series of Chortle and the Wheelies. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not that old. Um, Josh, I believe we have some questions. Uh, we are yes. technically over time, so we will make the answers to these quick. But uh, so, let's see what we've got from our good listeners. Go for Chris, it. Chris, quick one from you from MJL29999. When is the director of football of PSG leaving in Kylian Mbappe? <laughs> uh, when Real Madrid um, buy out the contract probably next summer. All is not well in Paris. He did <laughs> score tonight. Got better, they are yeah, they've got better players now, haven't they, on that wing? See you later. Because they're not going to play him up front because he doesn't want to play there. Uh, what he says anyway. goes. Although, to be fair, he has been sold... Mm, let's just say he's not been given what was promised in that contract. So I can kind of understand, but he's not helping himself. Fucking getting right, paid get, 400 get... grand a week. What more does he want? Sorry, he got well, into bed with the same, he's got Same situation. <laughs> 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 yeah. uh, right, what next question have we got? Um, do this, Carl. You know, you could want more. Let's go for Icarus. Uh, from Witty Remark 99. Uh, if we're still title challengers come January window, do we need to go all big? Do we need to go all in with a big signing? Who do we sign in January? I think we're going to go back in. For, I honestly think we need another centre midfielder because I think Partey is... We are one injury away from our midfielder come, you know, collapsing and I think we can't play Xhaka every single game. Hmm. He needs a rest at some point. He's going to have to because he's also going to work up is in Switzerland make it they did yeah they did so we can't play Jacquard for 90 minutes in um in the league and then play him in Europe he, he's gonna need a rest at some point so I personally think we do go back in for Douglas Louise um in this in the um winter because then he's only got six months left in his contract and let's see if it is resolved then because surely someone's had a word with him and just said look hold out you know don't sign that contract and if we go back in for Villa, you could have had 20 million in the summer. And now we're going to go back in for, I don't know, 7 million. Rather than him I think it was 25 and 15 they're talking about now. Yeah. So rather than him walk away for free, Villa are going to take that. So my personal opinion is we go back in for him unless there's someone else in the deepest, darkest of legal that Chris knows about that we've been looking at. But my personal opinion is Douglas Dobbies. There's the uh, guy at Gladbach. Um, oh, what's his Hoffman? name? He was at Liga last season, wasn't he? Uh, he was at Toulouse. Who's the other guy at Gladbach that was at Toulouse, Chris? Gladbach? Yeah. Jesus, no, uh, Oh, uh, uh, Turan, striker? No, central midfield. Alison Player? Central midfielder? Okay, bear central with me. Midfield. There we Hold go. the line caller. Chris didn't do any research. <laughs> of, uh, well, no, I moved I, out I, of Lee Gunn in the summer. Um, from from Toulouse? Are you sure? I'm sure he was at Toulouse. If I thought uh, that's not Toulouse, Josh, I'm coming for you. Well, um, anyway, Carl, why are you not saying Jude Bellingham? That's that's the real question. Do you know what? The thing, do you know what? I was, having this, I was having this talk with my friend, and I was saying, well, he's talking about 
him going to Liverpool. If Liverpool are shit, then I don't. I honestly don't see a reason why he wouldn't come. I don't know. We ain't got enough money for him. Let's be honest with us. Like, um, he would be a great addition. Him and Granit Xhaka in centre midfielder um, with Partey playing just behind. Wouldn't you love that? Like, um, brilliant. But um, I would love Jude Bellingham as well as any other European club would like him. It's just whether who's got the most amount of money to give to Borussia Dortmund and who's got the most money to give to Jude Bellingham. I've got a sneaky, bad suspicion he's going to end up at Man United and I hope he yeah. doesn't. I really, no, really he'll end up he at Real Madrid and they've created a midfield that will win him a Champions League for 10 years running. Um, but midfield. I was thinking of Kone, Chris. I was going to say, do you mean Quadio Kone? He signed he's yes. only a year ago. That's what threw me. I was like, this summer? Well, no, I, he's still at, yeah. He was at Toulouse. That's enough. Mid- midfielder, yeah. He's 21. Um yeah, for the record, no, not not. He's got a lot of talent, but he's he's far too raw. This is not for me. Not not ready yet. I think he will get there, but I'm with Carl. That Douglas Luiz signing has has okay. You didn't want to accept our 28 million pound bid this summer. No worries at all. We'll sign him for six quid and a packet of pork scratchings and Danny's poo in the post in January. So you know. I, I think that's and he's playing for Villa like a man who knows he's not going to be there much longer based on this performance last night. I think they're all see Ashley like, Young. Uh, they don't want him there. Yeah, see Ashley Young. They're continually complaining about our celebrations. Scores mm. doesn't he slide like it's nineteen eighty two again? And then <laughs> well, ran to the crowd and went, "What? What? What?" I was like, "Mate, you've just scored against Forest. Are you all right? Yeah. <laughs> a bird literally shat in your mouth. Are you all right?" Oh, do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Danny, oh, I will dear. move quickly on from uh, Ashley Young being shit in his mouth um, for a question from Data. Um, were you shocked that the that we didn't get a penalty given against us for the Gabriel um, handball, not handball? Um, I think this is one of the occasions where we can look at VAR and go, well, yeah, if we didn't have VAR, it probably would have been a penalty. But then, like Chris said, hit his chest, then hit his arm. So he wasn't controlling the ball with his arm. He got hit in the chest. And the last time I looked, um, using your chest to um, touch the ball isn't illegal. It's from the shoulder downwards, isn't it? Or is it from the sleeve downwards? It's the armpit. It's, it's T-shirt line, isn't it, or something? something I mean, that nobody yeah. really knows. We, we yeah, so, were no, we were wasn't. fortunate. I was just going to say we we were fortunate in the extent that to quote unquote you've seen them given, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I just don't think I just don't think that's a maybe I'm old fashioned, but I just don't think that's a penalty. When like if I kick the ball from here to the wall away, which is literally the same distance, the ball is going to come back at an angle where where if it comes back at head height. I can't necessarily move my head out the way in time. Just like you push a swing, swinging door and you misjudge the swing back. You can't physically step back enough time for it hits you in the face. Like, you know, if a player is actively defending like this, then, you know, you know what you're getting. Or if you go up for a header and you've got your hand above your head, then you know what to expect. But it, it's, it's, it blows my mind that you're seeing world-class central defenders in various clubs in Europe, especially in, in the Champions League, literally defending like that. And it's like, it's not natural, you know. And and some of the, I think I saw one who had his hand behind his back and as he sort of went to fall, his hand sort of came to there and it hit up here and they still gave it. And you just think like, to me, it, the rules should be if you're making yourself bigger and, you know, players know, like, you know, when you are 
making yourself bigger. But I, I just don't think I, I think the the bigger concern would be that, that Gabriel was out of position. But I also think he's getting a very raw deal at the moment. People saying, oh, he's making mistakes. Less. Of course, he's making mistakes because he's the aggression to Saliba's composure. You can't have just two Saliba-type central defenders. You have to have one that goes and attacks the ball and one who, who sits in and does the, the pretty stuff. And it Gabriel would be nice, though, be if Gabriel one. did attack the ball well. That's, that's all there's, I'll say. There's it elements of his game that need help. improving, sure. But it, and, and again, you know, he's, he's a he's a big he's a big old unit. You know, he's not when the we most look agile, at the, so. when we when we look at our goal just before half time the other day, who was the player running up the field ahead of every other player? Gabriel was the one who got the who did it furthest forward and got the assist for for Saka. So and and he's 50, 50 and he's, times. And he's very vocal, I think, as well. Like based on the, the, the game I saw, like you know, he he's a, he's a leading presence now. I think players are looking to him as a bit of a leader. And for a guy who barely spoke a word of English, and you know, was was uh, had had one good season at Lille, I, I actually think he's he's come on a long way. But yeah, I, I I don't know. I just think that there is a. I think the rule the rule is an ass. That's the problem, and and we're always going to be biased for our players. Of course, we are. But equally, I can be completely unbiased and say I would never have sent off Emerson Royale. For, for me, that isn't a red card. Um, it's clumsy. It's stupid. He's an idiot. He's a dog shite footballer. And, you know, I must admit with Bettis, I thought he was coming on quite well. Well, that all went to shit, which is what usually happens when you go to Spurs. But I didn't think that was a red card. And everybody's told me, oh, it absolutely yep. blatantly was. And I'm like, was it that? Red card. No attempt to play the ball. Yeah, and, and there's an argument for that. Agreed, yeah. but yeah. I just that that so that's right. in the interest of fairness. I'm not just sort of saying it with an Arsenal hat on. Um, and I thought Haaland's magnificent flying kick was a foul because it's a high foot by the rules. That's a foul. Nobody mentions it, so it's just a matter of opinion. But I I don't know. I just yeah, we we, well, we got away with it to the extent that VAR don't particularly like Arsenal normally. <laughs> well, we did much. speak about. Um, you know, being uh, yeah, Gabriel not learning English and going from not being able to speak English that well to the next question from Loki seventy three for you, Danny. Harry Kane <laughs> is doing a higher education course in learning, <laughs> uh, children's books. What what would the panel like to learn? As in, what would I personally like to learn? Yeah, Japanese. Yeah. Nice. Um, I had a five run you said skateboarding, but yeah. Uh, oh, I tried that. Um, fell off. Yeah, uh, Carl. What would you like to learn from Harry Kane? The art of shithousery are getting away with it. Yeah. Chris? I mean, I, I don't know how to answer. I don't... I, diving, maybe? Diving? Yeah. I think I think okay. we could learn a thing or two off, off of him. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a chant by Arsenal fans, and it is one of the funniest <laughs> chants I've ever come across. <laughs> like, there are some chants that, you know, you listen to and you think, Okay, but this one is funny, and it goes. Like, I'm probably not going to sing this. It's like, Come on, Carl. Uh, Danny, uh, can uh, you just make the 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 Harry Kane? The 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 Right, I was like, oh my god. Have you, have you seen the one of the guy who does it with a Snapchat filter where the eyes are rolling and the tongues are <laughs> yeah. <out> and he's <laughs> <laughs> fucking hilarious? 
and just just for the record we're not mocking people with with uh you know with special needs or anything like no, that we're just mocking yeah. harry kane there's a difference so yeah. uh, uh, and to answer <laughs> the question as well i'd um i'd actually like to go to the charlie kane school of business um, oh yes, his agent, um, his famous his brother, brother agent. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. Brother. has the desk yeah. and the suit, and he's got one client. <laughs> well, yeah, and an I, office. I, I, he hires out an office for his single client, his brother. I have um, a sneaking, I have a sneaking suspicion he might end up in in Munich in a year's time. You know, I've got oh, Charlie Kane. Why is that? <laughs> no, <what you're> <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> in, with a suitcase and a, and a frown. <laughs> and the yeah, um, yeah. I, Danny, I just Daniel have a, Levy's just looking at him, going, "What are you doing? You twat? Yeah, what, what are you doing? We're not signing it. Yeah." I don't know. Harry just, wants I a just... suitcase full of bratwurst. <laughs> <laughs> this this era of Englishmen abroad, I, I I just I have a feeling yeah. that 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 Bayern Munich might be uh, might have a little sniff. Um, but yeah, we shall see. We shall see. Sorry, anyway, Charlie, you're going to say something. Love that question. I just don't know if he'd leave. Just because um, I think he's one of them people that are so comfortable in England that he just won't leave. He would rather stay at Spurs and win nothing than almost guarantee yourself a title at Bayern Munich. Um, because he would. If he goes over there, he will definitely win a trophy. 100% he'll win a title. And I don't know whether he's got it in him to go abroad. Especially at the age he is now. Was he, what, 29? Nearly 30? Mm, 28, 29. So, whether he's got it in him, I think he's, you know, he's... Maybe even Man United might come back in for him because I'm sure Ten Hag is probably getting pissed off with um, the amount of injuries um, that the striker's getting because he plays one game and he's out and he's out now, isn't he? So maybe the move to Man United is not completely dead in the water. We'll see. Yeah, um, I don't know. We will we'll see. Um, I don't think Kane leaves because he knows his way home now and he, he, he can't cope with uh, learning another address. It's enough for him. Um, so a question from Phil Macker. Um, we'll go to you, Chris, for this. Uh, when do we forget about Europa and concentrate on the league? <laughs> Never. We win both. <laughs> we got and we got the 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 Carling Rumbelows Milk Cup thing next week, haven't we? Is it is it Brighton next week? I think yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yep. So uh, there's another trophy that's in in the box. Um, no, I, I I think I like what we're doing. I agree with what Carl said pre pod. You know, let's let's get this group one. I think we were talking before we went on on air, and we were saying that PSV drew to Bodo Glint. They actually drew at home, so that wasn't even the away leg. That gives us the advantage heading into those PSV games, which are probably on paper the toughest. Um, I, I'd like to see us take a, a strong squad, maybe not the strongest, but a strong squad to. It is Norway, isn't it? It is Norway. They are Norwegian, aren't they? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or is it Danish? I get confused. No, Norway. Um, Norway. Thank God for that. Sorry, Danish listeners. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see us take a strong squad to that game on Thursday, which of course we will preview on this platform if Danny can organise something there. I'm sure he will. Um, but yeah, I, I'd like to see us go there. You know, come away with a, a one or two nil win. We weren't very convincing in that game at um, whoever the other farmers were. We beat that game away from home. Zurich. That's the Badgers. Um, you know, but yeah, if we go hello, there Switzerland and if you're watching, hello, so yes, indeed. Good evening, Switzerland. But yeah, I'd like to see us go to that away leg, get that game won, and then I think it's PSV at home after that. I think I'm right in saying in the rearranged game, um, if mm-hmm. we beat them at home, and that is assuming PSV win in Zurich, of course, but. We, we could conceivably be through with two games to spare. So um, let's get the job done. 
as for focusing on the league, I think I think we are very much focused on the league. If you ask Mikel, I don't think he. I think we. I think we're focused on training every day, let alone the actual games that matter in the league. So, yeah, I, I just let's just keep riding this wave. And like we said earlier on, if if we have a setback and you know we do end up drawing or losing a game, it, it's one game. We go again. Let's let's just keep this this momentum going and get to the World Cup, which is. 43 days away I think I'm right in saying which is we've got 10 games to play before we end before they leave that's 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 light light work and if Mikel's you know I'm sure he's saying this to the players but you know all you've got to do is just look them in the eye and go guys just give us all you've got until the World Cup give us another silly draw whiteboard he'll be fine yeah but release some merch there's not many of them going so that no, well, that's that's also true. Um, but yeah, well, and, and might it's be, important. Might that your tweets, Chris, and use them as inspiration for the team. Put them on, put them on the board. It was Ivan Tony's last year. He's gone a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He, he, can, he, can use, he can use my tweets. He can use your tweets. He can use any tweets he likes. Let's keep it. Let's keep it positive. But yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think we should be prioritizing either or. I think we should be top four is for me a minimum. And, and it was pre-season and it is still now uh, and a run into the Europa League. It's a cup competition. You can be, you know, look at us in the, the Champions League final. We were the best team in that Champions League all the way to the final. You know, Lehman gets sent off and it all goes to shit. But we all know we should have won that. We didn't. Anything can happen in the cup competition. and You can be absolutely brilliant and still not win it. In the league over 38 games, you know, you, you've got that's your bread and butter. So let's just keep grinding. That's what I say. Yeah, we do know there is uh, at least one thing you know for certain in any cup competition is uh, yeah, a large number of teams go into it and Spurs don't win it. Uh, exactly. <laughs> Long may that continue. And, yeah, uh, I think a final question as well because uh, Chris has probably said we've gone on long enough. Um, I think he said we'd wrap this up in what, what, 60 minutes? Yeah, <laughs> he said 45 minutes, minutes possibly. Yeah, 45 <laughs> minutes and then we'll go that last questions. answer took that long. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, last one from Demsec as well. And uh, as you say, I think go to you, Carl, with this one. Uh, would you have Tommy at left back with KT as cover, White and Cedric as the right back covers, and then move Zinchenko into our midfield? I think it's something that when Zinchenko is fit, it may be something that he does do because, like I alluded to, we cannot play Granite Xhaka every game in this season. We just can't. Um, Thomas Partey is one tackle away from doing his hamstring or his ankle or his thigh, whatever the injury he has. Um, and I think he's been managed well. I think, you know, the one game a week for him is is just brilliant. But we are one injury away from having a shithousery of a midfield, unfortunately. And I think we need to change that, especially with Emil Smith-Rowe out as well and then Mohamed Aldeni out as well, which is something I don't think Mikel Arteta ever thought that would ever happen, um, especially those two out. So um, Zinchenko can play midfield, but obviously he's injured now, so it's just a case of whenever he comes back to be fit and there's no talk of when he's going to be uh, fit again. Hopefully it's not too long. I think that's something that we can definitely accommodate in pushing him into midfield. Mm. I think we kind of need to. I just think I think we kind of need to because there's there's as much as uh, much as uh, Arteta relies on Granit Xhaka, he can't play every game this season. He can't then go to the World Cup 
and no doubt he's going to play every single game for Switzerland as well and then come back and do what he does. He's going to need a rest at some point. You're hoping that he doesn't play against Brighton, but then who who comes in? Who comes into our midfield? If it's you say... Sambi Lukonga, isn't it? I suppose. But you say, yeah, but Sambi and who? Mm. And then he's back soon. Well, I think, I think if you... I think if you... I think if you're in like the League Cup, you can afford to play. He experimented it briefly, didn't he, uh, with with the um, in the European game. I think you could afford to play a Vieira alongside a Sambi and just risk it with an attacking eight alongside a defensive eight. Um, but this is this is where the Douglas Luiz conversation comes in, isn't it? Because this is where um, I mean, it would have been El Nene, wouldn't it? But because yeah. he's now not around and we don't know. I mean, God bless Mo. I'm glad to see he's still in pictures because I was worried he might have been. Chopped up and sold for meat. I think he had he had a better game than uh, than uh, Salah at the weekend. Oh yeah, he did. By not <laughs> see playing, them exactly. both having a little but, talk. But nothing's really come out about that injury, has it? Other than you know, some of the journalists got wind that it could be a hamstring, but no one's really come out. I don't think, unless I missed it from the club and said. I think all they said was he had a procedure and. I, they I said it was know, long so. term. All they said it was yeah. long term. So yeah, long term. I mean, talking I've... after the World Cup as well. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So it's obviously it's obviously a well, physio room got it down as a thigh injury, second of September with Mo. It's probably a little bit easier, and we are talking months, no return date. Yeah, so I mean, he he would have been the logical one. Um, I I like the idea of Sinchenko coming into a midfield as much as anything else in that game against Brighton to give him some more minutes because he he has been a bit in and out recently. Um, but it, here's the thing, isn't it? We're 10 games into the league season and we're all sat here saying Granit Xhaka is absolutely indispensable to this team. I, I, I would argue he's more important than Thomas Partey is right now. He's, he's playing that well. And, and that's all credit it. to him. All credit to him. Like he's He has done things that I didn't think he was capable of doing. Hold my hands up on that one 100%. Right. I'm not saying he's the best midfielder in the world, but you, know, you take out Rodri from Man City's midfield, you take out Marco Verratti from PSG, you take out... You know, take out Jude Bellingham from Dortmund. Like you take out those big players, and you watch those teams struggle. So, and he is—he's massive for us at the moment, Jacker. And and it's—it's it's the leadership, but it's also the leadership by example in the way he's performing right now, and and linking that sort of defensive line to the midfield line, and then the midfield line to the attack. He's—he's he's so instrumental. So, we've got to be really careful. It can only take <laughs> to quote Arsene being in the red zone. He only has to you know, slide the wrong way or trip down the stairs at home. Like it can be the most insignificant injury that then suddenly keeps him out. And he hasn't had an, he hasn't had a big injury at Arsenal I can think of that's kept him out for any, any amount of time, which inevitably means he's probably going to be out for the season after this weekend. (laughs) Because that's Hmm. what happens. Right. I think that's the end of the questions, Chris. Um, Yeah. Uh, Thank you for everybody who asked a question. If I did not read your question, it wasn't because it was shit. It's because Chris wanted to get a bed. <laughs> well, you know, like yeah, we, we've given you your money's worth, guys. We, we, and as I said, all PayPal donations to me will be gladly accepted. Um, but no, in all seriousness, thank you for sticking with us. Um, of all the weeks we didn't want to miss, obviously, post Spurs, that would have been one high on the list of missing. But we were genuinely down to the bare bones. Um, so, um, you know, we were one Trent Alexander cross in behind us from being done for good. So, uh, you know, thanks for sticking with us. But um, barring injury and illness, we will, of course, be back next week where we'll have two games to look back on 
probably a fairly brief overview of uh, the Bodo Glimped away game, which is on Thursday. Is that a stupid like ten past three in the afternoon kickoff or is six it o'clock? A... Oh, for fuck's sake! Okay, well, so I'll probably be doing um, a preview show an hour and a half before kickoff. Splendid. Do you know who your guest will be, or are you going to rummage down the back of the sofa? No, I should just moan at you lot until none of you turn up and then resort to yeah. Stan. Splendid. Well, un- unlike Danny, we have jobs, so it probably won't be any of us three. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll we will have a preview show up for that, um, possibly a post game show as well, if we can find some people. Or Carl, you may run a space. I would imagine we'll see what happens. Um, and yes, Leeds Sorry, United. I should, I should Sorry, go say it's it's five forty five, not six o'clock. So anybody who was setting their watch by it, you do a Chris. Um, yes. You'd be watching other games rather than actually watching our one. Exactly. Yeah. What watch anything but us or the builder. Yeah. It's sixty six um, degrees up there at the moment. Well, nine degrees now. Six degrees. Wow. It's, it's oh, low, that's so right. that's fine. That's all it's yeah. like in the morning. Just get the Pair boys in at seven AM. You'll be fine. Happy yeah, days. Happy yeah. days. The Brazilian lads. Happy days. See, there you go. Um, and um, thank you, Petito, in the chat, by the way, saying he likes the space. He or she, I should say, likes the spaces. So thank Petito you. Petito is a, a man, a qualified nurse living in New York, and he's a lovely man. What a guy. Thank you for your kind uh, kind words there, Petito. It's something we've just been trying. I've got to give all the credit to, to Carl and Josh because they're running that side of things. Um, I I've wouldn't done even fuck know. all. I need to jump in very quickly and not take any of the credit. for. Okay, Carl, all the credit goes to Carl for that. He is the, the Twitter <laughs> guru. Uh, I wouldn't even know how to turn it on. So that yeah, Danny will tell you that much. But no, genuinely, thank you for the feedback. We appreciate it. If you like stuff, then we'll keep doing it, you know. But we will be back after the, the Leeds game. It's 2 p.m., I believe, on Saturday. I don't think it's on telly. I think they've gone for the Chelsea game this weekend. 2 so, p.m. Um, on a Saturday? Sunday, sorry, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday. Okay, now. There's three games on Sunday at 2 p.m. I think we're the one, one of the ones that's not on telly. So sad times, but I'm sure you could potentially, allegedly, maybe find it by some nefarious means through some portal of online space that we don't talk about so you know carl has a side hustle with femi didn't he spaces and petito says i like the spaces carl and femi invented that for us didn't you just being back in the room danny did we just (laughs) (laughs) we did (laughs) no he's highlighting it he didn't highlight it i'll tell you who doesn't like spaces trent that joke will just keep going we'll just it'll just keep going especially in behind doesn't like those Anyway, um, thank you once again. Just in closing, if you do like what we do, um, whatever it is, you know, please do give us a, a subscribe on the old YouTube, uh, ring the bell and get your notifications when we go live, etc. Um, we will, of course, tweet the shows and you can listen and delay on all the usual podcast platforms. But yeah, the thumbs up and all that jazz does help because as Danny knows himself, there are approximately four million uh 4.2 million actually arsenal podcast out there now um mm-hmm. it's a bit My of a cast cast of space. One. but we've been doing this for for a long bloody long time now we are one of the ogs of the podcast world and i don't mean our canadian chum evening jeff if you're watching <laughs> so uh we shall leave it there danny um you sort of have to be here even when you're not here so thank you for well, it doesn't get done if i don't turn up does it oh my! i mean that God. that's completely that, that's false beyond false so you can daddy you're up. the best ever I'll give you your flowers you're so good you're so much brilliant. like you carl if you don't turn up no one gets to work if i don't turn up there's no podcasts Good lord! So we're indispensable, basically. Is what you we said. are certainly are. We are the granite jacker of the 
ABW world. Just less Indeed. mobile. Who would have thought you'd ever say that? Um, Carl, thank you for not only tonight, but your continued work on the aforementioned spaces that Danny completely ignored and then brought up for a second time a minute ago. So thank you very much for that, sir. Oh, no, it was very weird. I'll jump in. Um, we're going to get some of the regulars on there. People are just lazy. We're going to get them on there. Nick was on there on Sunday. Thank you, Nick. Nicky, what up? Thank you, Nicky. And uh, Josh, uh, have you got some, I don't know, Arctic sand-based uh, produce drink truffle to go and eat or something? Just share with the listeners what you ate before this podcast. Okay. I mean, I press on a, toast. had Monty Bojangles and it was a uh, cacao nib nights is what it says, but it's just basically, oh, there we go, really big. And uh, if they do want to sponsor us, Monty Bojangles, um, these are vegan as well. So it's very tasty. Oh, it was basically it was dark chocolate. Um, so the, it's um, milk, it? the the game's gone, ladies and gentlemen. The game's gone. I had a vegan curry it's as gone. well. It, it, it. Danny, I think that's as good a place as any as any to uh, to end this particular podcast because Josh makes my head hurt. I love him. Should we have? Head hurt. And I had a great sausage roll for breakfast. If that makes it better, it wasn't a vegan one. <laughs> But did you? The words of Monty Python. You're only making it worse for yourself. <laughs> yes. Right. Which one we'll outro do you want? Do you want the Steve or the Anfield? Oh, it's always Steve. So it's always, always has to be Steve. Uh, but yeah, thank you very much for joining us. We really appreciate you as always. Uh, stay safe and whatever you're doing, wrap up warm because it's getting cold out there, boys and girls. Especially if you're in the UK. Well, I'm sure it could be cold wherever you are. But <laughs> wrap up warm, stay safe, and uh, look after yourselves. And as always, up the Arsenal. We'll speak to you very soon. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I was just eating a full quiche. Well, you don't often see him at him. So when you see him in the supermarket, they need to be swagged. Microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on one. Bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>